welcome to All About Windows Phone Insight number 85. I'm joined by... Steve Litchfield. Yes, we've got to know you, and this week he's a little under the weather, so you're going to have to put up with Steve and I, and that means we're going to be doing some camera talk, but that's because we've got something to talk about. Rather exciting news came in just before Christmas. It's not really available very widely yet, and of course I'm talking about the Lumia Black software update uh, for the AT&T version of the 1020. But Steve, you've actually got one of these, and so you were able to install this update, weren't you? Uh, absolutely, even though I didn't have a valid AT&T SIM card, which is rather curious, as I thought I might well be uh, penalised there. But it works absolutely fine. Um, and I, as people will see up on the site, I've done numerous comparisons, probably one too many for most people, <laughs> uh, between the, uh, the 1020 with the black update and with various other devices, including, of course, the 1020 without black. Now, there is the huge caveat that this, this AT&T 1020 that we've got um, uh, flying around the All About uh, offices is, of course, fairly early hardware. And who knows, maybe there have been hardware changes under the hood as well from those early, the very earliest review devices through to the sort of retail 1020s we're seeing now. So it's, it's not really comparing like with like. And so there's an element of doubt in my mind that some of the changes might be because it's trying the, the photos on two physically different devices. But I, I think there's enough evidence there that I can be fairly confident that every 1020 owner will be very happy with the black update. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, we get asked a bit about uh, early and late device in terms of manufacturing. Now, of course, the kind of the base specifications don't change. You're getting the same processor, but there will sometimes be the odd component change. And actually, you also get design changes and they're relatively rare. And we are talking about really minor things, but it might be the way something is positioned or fixed in place. It's still relatively unusual, but it can happen. Actually, what's you know a far bigger variation is just differences in the quality of components or the manufacturing process. And it's a stretch to say it's a Friday afternoon device and they don't quite care about how it's stuck together. But there will be different qualities of the camera sensors, you know, just in any manufacturing process. Not everything's produced identically the same, which is why you always have to be slightly careful, as Steve says, when doing these um, device to device comparisons. And so one person's 1020 may not behave in exactly the same way as another of course, within any comparison like that, there's just as much variation coming from minute differences in the way you hold and position the camera, or even you know taking pictures, the same picture just a few seconds apart, there can be differences in lighting. But uh, you're absolutely right, Steve. Uh, maybe we should talk about what are the actual changes here. This is really about the image processing algorithms, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, in the 1020, the uh, the low-level software running within sort of Nokia's camera drivers, takes the raw data from the, the sensor, 41 megapixel sensor, and, and processes it, basically processes this, this incredibly low-level data, um, which, of course, they also gives you the option to extricate as, as, as physical DNG files, raw data, if you so choose to turn that on in Nokia camera, but that's another, perhaps another option to talk about. But it takes this, this data and uses sophisticated image processing to produce... Um, RGB photos that you, you, your eyes and my eyes can see and recognize and recognize the image. Now, the, the actual minor tweaks happened to that processing between different updates. We saw that with going from the original Nokia um, Lumia software to the Nokia Amber software. I, I think the, 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 the quality and the amount of um, changes in going to Nokia Black is more substantial. They've clearly done a lot of work on those drivers in getting the absolute maximum performance and the most accurate colors off the sensor and into RGB form that we, you can actually play with on the phone. And from my test, certainly I've seen uh, lower noise levels um, in all light conditions, 
I've seen more accurate colours, especially again in low light. So, for example, the infamous yellow tint in sort of a indoor shots with flash. We're all kind of used to seeing. Uh, they, people think all Englishmen have sort of yellow, ruddy, ruddy coloured colours in their faces. And in fact, we've all got white, pasty faces. It's just that the 1020 has been showing us in rather a, a tanned light. Um, so, so basically, those those shots will improve massively as well. Um, no increase in speed, perhaps. Uh, not surprisingly, I mean, there's no physical changes to the the, the the amount of data that's having to be handled. But the, what it does with that data in terms of improving the image quality is quite dramatic. And I absolutely cannot wait for the uh, the, the black update to hit my uh, European 1020. Yeah, we should say that we're talking specifically about the 1020 because this is the only device for which this update has become available. But these algorithms, uh, a lot of it's actually around the sort of tone mapping and noise reduction. If we're going to explain it in just a couple of sentences, it would be to say that actually the processing feels more natural. There's kind of it feels like there's less processing being done. Of course, that can be rather a, a, a misleading way of saying it because, of course, getting that natural look sometimes requires more, not less. But in terms of what's being done to the photo, it feels closer to what you'll actually see in real life. I mean, some people will say that means the images can feel a bit unsaturated. Uh, but of course, that's something you can change in the processing. Now, all of these processing algorithms, um, they have the biggest impact on the 1020, but they're also used in Nokia's other Lumia devices. And so you can expect sure. with Lumia Black to see improvements for the 925 right down to the 520. Of course, you know, the, the degree of difference will, I think it's fair to say, reduce the further you go down the range. But I'm pretty interested in seeing you know, the impact of these changes on the other devices as well. And for a lot of people, I think this will be the big thing about um, the, this Lumia Black update. But it, it's worth saying there's there's plenty of other things. Um, just while we're talking about this, was there any difference that you noticed in the video side of things, Steve? Yes, a video also. Uh, under the previous Amber software, uh, low-light video in particular it seemed to get the exposure all wrong and, and it would you have a nasty flickering effect. And there's clearly something that was hor going horribly wrong at the driver level. This has been fixed. And I did a comparison again on, the, on, on allaboutwindowsphone.com showing that this is just a quick and dirty thing really, just showing the same Christmas tree low-light situation um, before black and after black. And after black, it's dramatically less noise, much more consistent and slightly higher exposure overall. Now, I'd like to do a more formal test and get my jig out and do that over the next couple of weeks, so maybe that's something I can try. Um, but yes, so I think the video has improved as well, to the extent, actually, that my latest phone show I've been recording this morning, I actually recorded it on the black running um, AT&T 1020 as an experiment, and the video quality was absolutely stunning. So uh, I know the 1020 took pretty darn good video beforehand, but uh, I think especially in low-light people, again, it would be very impressed and... Uh, I think they've said the video side of things sort of in evenings and, and shooting moody bars and so forth. We've much, much better videos. So, uh, yeah, kudos to Nokia here. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. I've noticed something similar on the 1520, which is also running uh, Lumia Black. It, it, with all of these updates for processing, you'll notice it more in the edge cases. And so things like low light and other kind of difficult to take shots so it will depend on what kind of photos you take how much you notice this but uh in my view this is actually a bigger update than the kind of the camera improvements we had in the the previous amber update um let's just talk about some of the other software updates there in lumia black since uh, a lot of people are going to be receiving this update in the not too distant future 
it's worth saying it's built on top of Windows Phone Update 3. That actually brings in quite a few bits and pieces uh, that I think are, they're minor, but they're, they're nice to have. So, for example, there's driving mode, whereby you can kind of uh, reduce the number of distractions you have from incoming calls and text messages when you're in a car, and that works by detecting a, a Bluetooth accessory, and that can be your in-car system or, or a third party or something like that. There's also some improvements to accessibility. That's really done through a third-party app, and I think they're still not that good compared to what you get on other platforms. It's really in the kind of the settings bits that you get some extra things. So, for example, you can get custom ringtones uh, for more events, so for things like uh, emails and reminders, as in addition to the kind of calling that you've had before. That also applies when you're setting custom ringtones for uh, a contact there's also update to the storage settings there's the introduction of the uh, setting for automatic screen rotation so effectively you can lock your phone into one screen rotation or another if you so choose there's an update to the app switcher that makes it easier to close apps that are currently running in the background and it is kind of a whole raft of improvements like that and that's the kind of the Microsoft provided bit of the update. In terms of what's coming from Nokia, I think the one that most people are going to be interested in is an update to the, um, I, I want to call it the Active Idle screen, but that's the uh, Symbian term that I should be <laughs> not using. It's actually the glance screen now. And this is the idea that you can have the same lock screen notifications that you have on your lock screen and telling you how many calls you've missed or Skype messages or, or whatever you set them to be on that glance screen the glance screen now also supports a few extra colors but that's a really welcome update it's that ability to glance at your phone when it's sitting on the desk and see information on your phone and it's it's something that we are starting to see on other platforms other devices as well but uh, lumia is having across the range where it's supported by the hardware so i think Nokia have done a really great job with that and it's one of those small things that uh, was described as a sort of delight feature and uh, it really makes a difference for me just to be able to look down and see what the time is and seeing kind of the yeah. status immediately of those messages. Uh, I assume that's a feature you use a lot as well, Steve. Oh, yeah. That, it's a showstopper for me if that's not available. And when I move to a phone, perhaps reviewing it, it doesn't have an always-on clock notifications. I, I, I can't live without I can't, cannot live without that feature, especially during the night time. I glance across in the night and I have to see my phone. Yes, I could have a, a mains power desk, desk alarm circa 1970. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure I'm being just a geek trying to do everything with a phone here. But when you've got a phone which has the always on clock and, and on my Symbian phones, the always on date as well, it is just so useful. And the thing about the black update, Rafe, which I just wanted to mention before we move on, is for me, it's not the list of things you've just read out, although they're all nice to have. For me, having an update to the base OS, which doesn't sound very exciting, but under the hood and not listed there, there will have been dozens, if not hundreds, of minor fixes and tweaks and optimizations, which you don't necessarily appreciate, apart from the fact that your phone works more smoothly and more reliably. And, and it also affects third-party applications. We had a great example of this um, recently in the Amber update, where things like Podcast Lounge, and it's all this background downloading the podcast that wasn't working prior to Amber, but the OS gets updated and all of a sudden the third party app starts working better. And I suspect we'll have the same with Black and all of a sudden with the Black update, our, our raft of third party apps that are installed on the phone will suddenly just be that tiny bit smoother. And, and overall you can get, yes, I've got the latest update, 
latest application updates. Everything's working smoothly. I'm a happy bunny and you go on with your life. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it greatly. Uh, that's right. And a good example of that is actually uh, Bluetooth low energy support. Now, this is something that is supported on a limited number of devices uh, with Windows Phone Update 2. That's the previous update. But some of the high-end Lumia devices like the 920, 920, the 1020, 925 are actually getting that. And so that's then used in apps such as Adidas's MyCoach kind of activity tracking. And we're going to see a whole raft of Bluetooth low energy activity over the next few months as apps get published. We also expect to see a bunch of accessories from Nokia and from third parties supporting Windows Phone. And that's, you know, I think, may well end up being one of the biggest consequences of this update in terms of low level stuff. But there's also enablers that are, for Nokia Beamer, that's a new application that you share your Lumia screen with any internet-connected device. Uh, Storyteller is kind of an alternative photo viewer. Video Direct, which is a, a companion app linked to the Nokia 2520. And similarly, there's a Nokia Share, which is about sharing photos to Nokia's uh, tablet device. There's also updates for Nokia Play 2, kind of uh, extending that DLNA functionality. And quite a few of those don't get talked about. For example, there's a whole raft of updates to the Bluetooth subsystems, which means it should work more reliably with a greater number of Bluetooth car accessories and cars themselves. And so, big update. So I guess the the question now is, when are people going to be getting it? Well, Nokia originally said that it would arrive for existing devices in the first quarter of 2014. Obviously, we're now there. The 1020 was a bit of a surprise. I don't have any precise information on all of the devices, but I think we can expect to see the first of the update rolling out to other devices by the end of this month and look around January the 20th because that's often a common period where these updates seem to come out I think they sometimes work to a schedule I would imagine the rest of the 1020 lineup will be getting it fairly soon as well as the other high-end devices but uh, it's probably worth saying it will take a few months for this to roll out my understanding is a lot of the updates have been completed and are now awaiting the various testing and also then roll out onto Microsoft's update servers uh, Nokia prepares the updates and then sends them to Microsoft and it's actually often on Microsoft to kind of schedule the updates they either don't want it to happen all at the same time or get a bit of a backlog um, we're not quite sure of the full details. Microsoft, despite us asking multiple times, won't talk too much about it. Definitely room for improvement there when you think about how the updates work on other platforms. But uh, really, the message there is a bit of patience. It is on the way, and it's definitely worth having. And like Steve, I'm looking forward to running my Lumia 925 on Lumia Black. Uh, I, that's all going to come about because the next big update we'll be talking about is Windows Phone 8.1. I suspect we'll be hearing about that either at the very end of the quarter or at Microsoft's upcoming uh, developer conference. So got a little bit of while before that happens, but let's uh, maybe talk about some of the issues, we, other things we wanted to cover in this podcast, Steve. Yeah, yeah. But before you do that, what, what letter are we going to be, talk, be talking about for this new update? We've had Amber, obviously, A. We've now had Black B. So will the next one start with C? Yes, I'm, I'm pretty convinced it's going to be called uh, Lumia Cat because I like cats and it <laughs> seems everyone on the internet likes cats. So uh, I reckon it should be called Lumia Cat. But I think I, Clara. I, I, I think Clara. Clara. Uh, okay. Well, as long as it's not called Catastrophe or Cassandra, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Yes. Uh, what should we talk about next? Let's talk about some apps. One of the things that we noticed in the run up to Christmas, and we're now recording this into New Year, apologies are a bit later than we thought would be, is there was uh, a good cadence of apps being released. Uh, let's go for a couple of our favourites. Steve, have you got, maybe you could talk about your first app. 
Uh, yeah, I've got two to, to just mention briefly. One is full blend, full blend HDR, a high dynamic range photography, something that most most photographers are, are tinkered with, and it's it's great to be able to do HDR apps. I have to take three photographs of the same scene, one overexposed, one underexposed, and one normal exposed automatically, and have the software automatically stitch them into one stunning shot that just amazes people. And be able to do that on the phone and share it immediately. And it's it's tricky to do because uh, you have to all three shots have to be of exactly the same scene. I you, know, you can't move, you can't wobble, you can't tremble. And so normally you think, well, okay, let's just carry a tripod around, and that's just usually impractical. Um, now previous uh, applications for HDR on on smartphones have said, okay, well, we'll we'll accept that there's some wobble, and we'll try to do auto stitching. And they spent a minute processing, and they try and align the images. They never do a very good job. For Blend HDR takes a much simpler approach. It says, look, look, mate, you keep the phone still. I'll take three shots and I'll combine them really quickly because I don't have to do any stitching, any auto-aligning. And that's exactly what it does. Um, works really well. I tried it out at a steam fair um, in the West Country. You probably saw the examples in the story on the site. I, in each case, I braced the uh, 1020 against the lamp post or in one case, a wall uh, and kept it pretty still. And the results are very impressive. And the from taking the shots, which takes about, on a 1020, about three seconds because it's got those that, that big sensor and uh, has to process the data. So you have to, you have to keep very still. It'll be quicker on things like the 925, of course. Um, but from taking the shots um, to actually then producing the HDR image, it's only a matter of about four or five seconds, which is uh, much, much faster than previous HDR utilities on, on Windows phones. So uh, highly recommended. Um, do, do practice keeping your phone still. And if you have got a little mini tripod, like a gorilla pod or something, then do take that along. I think you get best results. But it's, I think it's also free. And it also has extra filters you can play around with. So highly recommended for Blend HDR. Yeah, no, it's a, a great app. And it's great to see you know, third-party developers continuing to push those imaging apps. There's been quite a few of them recently. HDR is an interesting topic because we've had quite a few questions. Why have Nokia not included it in their own uh, camera app? It would certainly be possible for them to do so. So I think at this point you can assume it's a a deliberate decision. Uh, I mean, Steve, would you say HDR is something you'd want to see in the standard camera app? It would be handy. I can see why they don't want to do it because you, if you, if you've got this, thinking about the ten twenty and the fifteen twenty, you've got this oversample, oversampling that's needed from the, the much higher resolution sensor, and you can't do that really quickly. To do good, really good hardware accelerated in-device HDR, like on the iPhone, like on some of the Motorola devices, um, you have to have a very fast camera. It doesn't have to do that much work, and you can take the shots very, very quickly and then process them very quickly. And Nokia know full well that with, with not their top-end cameras, they're optimized for quality. They're optimized for oversampling, you know, and min- minimizing the noise and getting, you know, purest pixels and all of that. And you can't do that and take the photographs really, really quickly. I suppose they could write an HDR little light utility that took a, a scrape of the sensor, like the, the, this bog-standard Windows phone camera um, app does, but then you wouldn't have the quality. And several of the third-party apps do that anyway, so there was no real benefit for Nokia sticking their oar in here, I think. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I've asked the imaging team about this on a couple of occasions, and they're well aware that people want it, but they've all, always said we don't add stuff to the camera unless we can you know, really get the optimal experience and make it work properly. And um, I think it's the right decision that you prioritise what's the most likely use case, which is, of course, people just using the standard camera, taking a photo. Um, it's noticeable that the cameras where it does work best, and I think I would say for me it's the HTC One, 
And that's where they do obviously have the lower resolution camera and able to do HDR in a very speedy way and quite effectively. Um, as Steve was describing there, the 1020 doesn't really have the performance to take those sequence shots that are required very quickly. And even on some of the other Nokia devices, until recently, the sort of power on Windows Phone has been lower than what you'll get on kind of competing devices. The yeah. 1520 is actually the first device that you could argue with its snapdragon 800 processor is comparable to the other leading smartphones so i do wonder whether it's something we might see come in in the next year particularly there's also other processor updates on the way we talked about the 805 on the site uh, is that right yes the snapdragon 805 a while back which has some enhancement for camera performance and it may be that that will then get fast enough to do hdr uh, but uh, people sort of think about it and go well why haven't they done it? Surely it'd be easy to, well, you can do something. It doesn't necessarily mean you should do it. And as uh, I think you quite rightly say, Steve, there are third party options out there if you're keen to get into that kind of uh, photography. Um, I'll talk about my first app. It's DocuSign. Now this is a way of basically signing documents electronically and then round tripping the document to other people who need to sign it. I really picked it out because I think it's emblematic of something we'll see for the rest of the year, which is kind of a push from you know enterprise usage and this partly reflects of course the decline of blackberry but talking to a lot of nokia microsoft people they feel quite strongly that uh, windows phone is going to do well in the enterprise market indeed nokia in the uk think that the kind of business to business market share that they have will exceed what they have in the consumer space in other words they'll be selling more devices into business than they are selling to consumers at least in terms of unit share percentages in the market that's quite telling it'll be interesting to see what kind of impact that does have if it happens of course because you'll have mum and dad coming back from work with a device and it'll be a windows phone device will that then have a, a knock-on effect we've commented in the past that uh, windows phone use amongst uh, younger children or rather children and teenagers seems to have uh, grown more and perhaps the 520 becoming the replacement for the blackberry is the cheap device it's not exclusively true it's more complex than that but interesting and so docusign caught my eye as being one of those apps um, that is kind of necessary for enterprise acceptance it's used by 42 odd million people around the world this service as kind of the standard way of getting e-signatures onto documents and so having the mobile version of it on windows phone was very much uh, unnecessary thing so interesting to see that come out and actually my second app which i'll i'll talk about before steve goes on to his uh second one because it's it's again linked is go to meeting and again this is a way of doing an enterprise type activity in this case it's kind of online meetings and you can share screens and dial in or do it over voip and again it's one of these apps that is kind of necessary um function that commonly happens when you're using a smartphone in the business space and there's been a whole raft of these and i could talk about the citrix uh, applications and some of the others as well that have come in recently so worth keeping an eye on all of that kind of enterprise space it doesn't always uh, create the most interesting applications as far as consumers are concerned but it's going to be very important for the health of windows phone in the business space uh, so steve back to you for your second app well ray i'm a very happy bunny um i shall explain why excellent Jumping <laughs> well, up and be, down. I'll, I'll be even happier wearing blackets, but that we've covered that. No. <laughs> um, one of the big showstoppers on Windows Phone over the last six months to a year, if not longer, has been the lack of a really good podcasting program. I, 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 my life runs on podcasts. Every spare moment when I'm driving, walking, doing chores, I've got podcasts running. And if my pod, 
podcatcher of choice. If it messes up the playback position, if it doesn't grab the latest episode and I have to go looking for it manually, if, if things go horribly wrong, then I'm not happy. And I then switch programs and sometimes even switch devices. I go back to other operating systems like Symbian, like Android, and Windows Phone is then in the doghouse. Happily, and um, with the very latest update to Bringcast, which is one of my favorite apps about six months ago, but I identified some fairly show-stopping bugs and I told the developers about it and they went away and said, yes, don't worry, it's on our to-do list. Um, and then there was a six-month gap while the developers presumably got on with their lives. And, and eventually, all the, everything got fixed, and the update is now out. As of a couple of days ago, I reported it on the site. I think I was the, we were the first site to, to break the news because I was really looking forward to this update for a long time. Essentially, you've now got flawless um, playback position remembrance. You've got flawless um, podcast grabbing and downloading. Um, you can do scrubbing within a podcast, so you can you know, just scrub your finger along and go to a particular spot in a particular podcast. You've got seeking with it on the lock screen controls, which not every podcast player has as well. The only thing it doesn't do, and it's not necessarily a downside, it doesn't do background. Um, there's not a background agent that grabs, thing, e- grabs podcasts even when the program's not running. So when you launch Braincast, it auto-refreshes the feeds and downloads the ones it needs to. Now, this is opposed to the other sort of flagship podcatching program for Windows Phone, which is Podcast Lounge, which doesn't, the foreground application does almost nothing like that. And there's a completely separate background agent that just chugs along in the background when Windows Phone lets it and is supposed to grab all the latest podcasts and queue them up for the foreground program to do. In practice, I've found with Windows Phone, certainly with Amber, um, that background agent doesn't always get a chance to run properly because of other things happening in the OS, presumably, or because there are more than seven other agents, seven other things happening, and there are restrictions. So you end up, you go back into Podcast Lounge, and your, your latest podcasts aren't there, and you're going to have to grab them manually, and that's a shame. Um, Brimcast says, look, forget about the background. We know that there are restrictions. We'll do it all in the foreground, but we'll do it reliably and put in every other feature known to man. So uh, I, some people don't like its big controls and garish look, but I, I quite like it. It's, I suggested one of the themes, um, Royal Purple, which I'm very happy with. And, and I like the big buttons because it means I can just stab at it in the dark and control my podcast without having to uh, you know, fiddle around trying to hit a button that's three millimeters across. So I'm really happy. Podcatching just got practical for me uh, 100% with Braincast, and I would highly recommend it to anyone. Yeah, and I think this is interesting because it's an example of where an app can be implemented in a different way and people have different preferences. Now, for me, a podcast app has to have the background downloading stuff, and it's possibly because I don't use it as frequently as Stephen. So when I arrive in the app, I want to have some fresh content sitting there waiting for me, and I tend to remember to do that when I'm on a train in 2G signal or something like that. And so uh, for me, Podcast Lounge remains my preferred application, but Brinkcast is really impressive. I also like the way they've actually implemented in-app purchases. We spend a lot of time complaining about them for games and for other areas, but the in-app purchase is used to buy a theme pack and so you can change the look and style of the application also as a way to just support the developers. And I guess it's the equivalent of buying a virtual pint of beer. Now, obviously, it's not going to work for all applications, but this is obviously something that's been put together as a spare time project rather than a full-time thing. And so the, the business models, if you will, are slightly different. But if you're a, a third-party developer working on it for the love of it, I think this is kind of a viable route to go, kind of use in-app purchases as a a way to make it really easy for people to say thank you. I, I do appreciate it's not something that's going to work for a full commercial application, but just worth highlighting, I think, because I think, is that a good way to do it, Steve? Uh, absolutely. I was a tiny bit galling, actually, as the person who suggested to the developers, hey, I don't like your 
your garish lime green theme. How about one based on purple? And I gave them the appropriate <laughs> RGB colours. And they said, oh, that's one that looks really good, Steve. Thank you. We'll include it in the next version. They, we, I, we called it, I called it Royal Purple. It made it into the theme pack. And then I have to buy it. I basically have to buy the theme I suggested, but it's only 79 pence. But it was a tiny, tiny bit amusing. <laughs> buying my own content, as it were. It's also, it is good, though, that developers take on board feedback like that. We've had quite a few instances of that recently where developers listen to either reviews in store or something we've uh, fed back. And it's always uh, a sense of satisfaction when it gets updated to something you like to see. And so it's a good message if you're kind of a power user who's got an idea about an application. It really is worth getting in contact with the developers because we find that uh, a lot of the time they're very responsive to that their users and will listen and implement a feature. So Absolutely, there we and of course, um, Brinkcast and Podcast Launch both developed by British developers. Woo! Yes, <laughs> we, we we love the UK. We are a little bit biased, maybe being based in the UK, but uh, we see a lot of love and attention go to the US from uh, particularly Microsoft in their marketing and their outreach activities. And uh, yeah, the UK is a pretty strong market for Windows Phone, really second only to Italy in terms of uh, unit sales, which I guess gives us a opportunity to mention the latest uh, stats for windows phone i'm not going to go into too much detail here because really the message here is it's the same as it was just before christmas with uh, western european market getting 10 percent sale share for uh, windows phone so that means one in 10 smartphones sold in the eu5 countries which is germany uk france spain and italy is running windows phone if you head across the pond to the US, it's nearer 5% and slightly less than that in China. The message is still, as we've said before, that uh, Europe's doing well. Obviously, you need to build on that momentum. And I think a lot will depend on kind of the next low-cost device, the success to the 520, which we expect to be announced before too long. But um, all, it's really about improving in the US and China. That's a, a more difficult market to crack. They're the two biggest smartphone markets for in terms of sales by uh, volume for an individual country. And uh, Kantar, who put together the stats that we talk about on a regular basis, essentially say they, they don't need to get both markets, but they need to get one of them if they're to, to get legitimacy as a, a smartphone player. And frankly, it's difficult to, to disagree. But uh, in terms of the year-on-year improvements, Windows Phone certainly come a long way. And it's, I think if we look back, 2013 will be the year where Windows Phone cemented itself very firmly in third place. And... Uh, it's now we're starting to get stories about how many markets it's surpassing the iPhone or become the number two OS. Those can be a bit misleading because, of course, you can be the number two OS but still be four times smaller than Android, which is uh, often the case in a couple of those examples. And also, of course, the iPhone is a collection of high-end devices fighting against uh, a collection of devices across a whole range. So, yes, Windows Phone, of course, should be outselling the iPhone and it is doing so in a couple of markets be really interesting to see where those trends go on from here but if you want some more information on that go and have a look on the website we've got our usual charts breaking everything down Um, but actually things are looking pretty optimistic as we look ahead to the rest of uh, 2014 and given this is the new year podcast Steve maybe we should do a, a couple of predictions about what we expect to see over the next 12 months or so particularly with reference to the Windows phone world Uh, I suppose the big elephant in the room, of course, is going to be Microsoft and Nokia because they're expected to kind of announce the completion of the deal of Microsoft to buy the device and services business. But the reality is we probably won't see too much impact from that straight away, will we? I guess not. These things always seem to take longer than you'd think. I mean, we we still haven't had that that announcement and it's not expected for a month or two. Nokia have got all this hardware 
that's come through over the last three or four months. So I, I'm guessing we'll still see devices with the Nokia name on, certainly in the short term. And if, if they end up being Microsoft Lumias, then that won't happen until sometime in the summer. But by then, you know, people will have got used to the design language, the colors, the, the, the way the phones look, the way the phones behave, and certainly they'll be more familiar with the OS. So I'm, I'm not sure it'll have a massive impact. No, I mean, I think there'll be a certain number of people who will be see to, sad to see the Nokia name go. Uh, and from an organisational point of view and in terms of developing of products, most of the things that will be announced this year have been in development for some time already. Um, even on the shortest timescale, it takes about 18 months or so to develop a phone. And some of those will have been in development for a lot longer than that. And so pretty much everything that's announced in the next year will have really happened and been defined under the auspices of Nokia being completely independent from Microsoft. And even if you kind of assume that from day one, things start to happen, it's going to take a while for the processes to, as one company takes over from another, really it's going to be the same people making the same decisions and it'll take a while for any real impact to happen. I mean, I think we may start to see some cultural changes and shifts in marketing in the second half of the year. But uh, I think people will probably be thinking that there will be stuff happening much faster than is really the case in reality. And so when you're making predictions about what's coming in the year ahead, it's not really about that acquisition. Of course, it's important from an external point of view, and it will change the way things are perceived. And it's starting to have an impact on Microsoft's relations with other manufacturers. We've had talk about reducing license fee or no license fees at all. I mean, if we look at other manufacturers, I mean, do you expect to see some other manufacturers announcing Windows phone devices over the next uh, 12 months or so, Steve? I'd certainly hope so. I mean, the, 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 we've had HTC and Samsung being, being pretty half-hearted. We've seen Huawei were possibly rumoured to uh, announce a new one at CES this year. I'm not sure that actually happened. Um, but it desperately needs someone else ready to come on board. Every time we've seen a system like this, we're back in the Symbian days and Nokia dominating Symbian, and it ended up being slightly unhealthy, you could argue, and, and ultimately, years down the line, ended up with the demise of the operating system. And, and it would be nice to have an element of competition, whether Microsoft needs to you know, abandon, all, abandon the license fees and make it, make it easier for other manufacturers, I don't know. But more, the more competition, the better, I think. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the argument here, of course, is that why would you as a manufacturer want to compete against Microsoft itself when it's obviously doing the software and the hardware? And there's not going to be kind of a wall between the two, as Google says there is with Motorola. And so there's an obvious question is why do I bother as a, as a manufacturer? It'll be interesting to see how this is borne out because history does tell us that um, you know, the licensing model doesn't work so well if you're producing hardware yourself. But I wonder if things have changed a little bit in terms of where the value sits and whether it's commoditized enough for it to happen. Uh, if we look at some of the manufacturers who are already producing Windows phones, Steve's already mentioned Huawei, they are almost certainly going to produce uh, and announce some phones in the first quarter of this year. I think MWC hasn't seemed to have come out at CES. Uh, then we've got Samsung have been rumoured to be doing a, another Windows phone device. I think it's maintaining their competency there rather than actually producing a whole range of devices, but we'll have to wait and see. HTC, as far as we know, are not working on a Windows phone device. That's what the rumours and kind of the back chat says. Um, will that change in the second half of the year? My prediction will be no. I think if it's going to happen, uh, it will be 2015. Uh, and there's a lot of questions around what will happen to HTC if we're making a prediction about them. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them being acquired by another manufacturer. Uh, 
perhaps one of the Chinese ones to give themselves a leg up in the brand department. But I think it may well be worth watching some of the other uh, Chinese OEMs. There's been talk around ZTE, for example, and I think that's a pretty good bet. But also some of the Indian homegrown smartphone manufacturers. That's a market that's important to Microsoft, and they are said to be talking to them now and so if i was making a prediction i would say the second half of the year particularly with windows phone 8.1 coming along that's going to be something that's well worth watching and so it will be some of those smaller indian and chinese oems coming along with all of that said is there room for one of the big guys to jump back in well there's been some chat around sony just in the last few days and of course there are other manufacturers out there as well and so i wouldn't rule out that possibility at all i think a lot will depend on how microsoft does with the nokia products in the first half of the year and how well windows phone 8.1 is received and i think that's going to be one of the big topics that we talk about towards the sort of well, the end of the first half of the year will be Windows Phone 8.1, both in terms of updating for existing devices. I think we can be pretty sure that that's going to apply to all the existing Windows Phone 8 devices, as well, of course, uh, new devices as well. Windows Phone 8.1, Steve, what are you expecting to see there? Is that really going to be more about maturing the Windows Phone platform, adding things like the notification system, or, or is that another thing that you're looking to see? Or you'd like to put your prediction hat on and say it's coming along? There isn't that much extra that is actually needed to the base OS other than perhaps as an improvement in the way the, the, the stuff in the background does happen. The current background agent system and the way multitasking kind of happens but also doesn't happen. You know, yes, you can use the carousel and you can close applications manually, but you still get the feeling that you're fighting the OS and it's trying to nanny you a bit too much. And I, I would like to see some, some loosening of that to mirror you know, perhaps what an, Android does. Um, the notifications are... Some people are going to love having a centralized notification system. I actually, I've come, come to, to use and to recognize the way the live tiles work and see the numbers. Oh, I've got three of those and three and two of those and three app updates. And you can see at a glance. And the original vision for Windows Phone Start Screen does actually work very well, provided you use it. But I, for, for people who get, you know, 10 emails an hour and four texts an hour and 15 IMs an hour and and they've got 30 appointments going on per day, then the, the start screen is just not enough. And I can see for them that having a centralized double-wide or triple-wide notifications tile, I think might make a lot of sense. So uh, I, 2013 for me was the year Windows Phone um, 8 grew up as an, an operating system. It was the year I switched to it as my full-time OS. And uh, with the, the current caveats about things like Brinkcast and Lumia Black, um, I think... That, I'm basically happy now. It does everything I want it to. And the fact that I, with all the access to all the hardware I've got access to uh, that comes through my hands for review purposes, the fact that I'm still choosing to use a Windows phone at the end of 2013, start of 2014, as my main smartphone, I think shows that the, the OS has grown up. Um, I'm, I'm pretty happy at the moment. I think uh, a lot of people will be even happier with, with Windows phone 8.1. But I don't think there's any great hurry on from my personal Oh, it's in- interesting to hear you say that I, I, and I do agree I think 8.1 is probably more about smoothing off a couple of rough edges and then starting to add in functionality because there are clearly areas where Windows Phone doesn't match its uh, competition one of those is kind of in the voice control and voice assistance area you know people talk a lot about Siri and voice command on Google and Google Now uh, Microsoft have sort of very quietly talked about improvements in that area and there's been various leaks and rumors around a system called cortana and so that's something to watch out for in a big way with 8.1 but there's i think two things to bear in mind with both this cortana voice and with the notification systems 
my prediction would be don't expect to see just a clone of what's happening on the other platforms being added to Windows Phone. What Microsoft has done with Windows Phone all along is kind of put their own twist on things. And so you can expect to see those things come in, but perhaps with some tweaks and some improvements. If we look at maybe the notification system, for example, there may well be different classes of notifications. That's certainly what the rumors say, and that you'll be able to prioritize some apps over rather than have them listed in a screen, which maybe drop down from the top of the screen. There's still obviously a lot of uncertainty about that. You can go and read all the rumours about this. We've talked a little bit about them on the site as they've come along. And similarly with Cortana, it's not just going to be about voice control. It's going to be about sort of adding intelligence to your phone and having bits of data interact with each other, uh, just as Google now on the Android system has found favour with a lot of power use and early adopters. I think some of these features um, will appeal to more 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 people than they will others. That's a rather messy way of saying that. But... Uh, there is a lot to come there. I think, as Steve says, there will also be quite significant upgrades in the kind of some of the background stuff and APIs for developers, because obviously it will have been getting on for you know two years since the launch of uh, Windows Phone 8. And that will be both the background processes, but also obviously APIs for interacting with these new systems and maybe just a, a deepening of what you can do in terms of accessing uh, the inbuilt applications. And that might be to do with the calendar or it could be to do with email which will now allow a certain richness of third-party applications that sometimes struggles now we quite often use the phrase when we're writing something up that it's just not possible because it's not allowed by the windows phone apis and that does reflect the kind of maybe less mature or restrictive nature of the platform at times so i think as our last bit of predictions it's kind of easy to say this. There's going to be more devices, but in the immediate future, we're expecting to see some updates for the lower end devices. So, for example, the Lumia 620 and 520, just putting some numbers out of the air towards the <laughs> 630 you. and the 635. <laughs> they, I think, have been leaked as money penny and various other devices and they're going to have uh, dual sim functionality allegedly that's all pretty much a, a given i think what we will see is a, a site bumping up on all the screen sizes and so screens that were previously four inches will be four and a half inches and devices at four and a half inches will be five inches and so we're just seeing verizon put on their website um information about a device called the lumia icon which is effectively an upgrade to their lumia 928 but with a, a five inch screen running the same hardware as the 1520 just a, a mini version and i would imagine we'll see something like the 930 or it may with a different name microsoft may choose to change the naming scheme i hope not but i quite like the numbering scheme but i'm sure there'll be an update for that lumia 9 uh, family which will be a five inch screen and will refine the so the design a little bit more add some new hardware features there's all sorts of talk around um actual some gestures over the top of the screen sort of air touch and things like that it's always difficult to know what's going to be coming along there but um uh, i suspect a lot of it will also be activity around kind of accessories as well nokia's sort of started pushing that a bit in the last year or so and there's going to be more of that with the bluetooth low energy stuff that we talked about earlier coming in and uh, i wouldn't be surprised to see smart watches start to become a theme in the windows phone space as well uh, aside from that in terms of where new devices might go well 
it will be important at the low end and it's going to be the replacement for the Lumia 520 which will be really important for Windows Phone this year because that's going to be where it's battling with Android and where it's found most success in 2013 and that needs to obviously continue in 2014. So be it the Nokia 530 or something else, I expect we can see that um, appear before too long as the 520 starts to get just a little bit long in the tooth compared to the devices it's competing against. It's now facing off against uh, devices like the Motorola G and there'll be a lot more being announced uh, next month's MWC which will of course be the venue for a whole raft of announcements in terms of Windows Phone expect that to be about devices probably rather than the big Windows Phone 8.1 update but uh, we'd love to hear what you think um, in terms of predictions or what you want to see in 2014 we will of course be talking about them lots and lots on the podcast uh, Steve any sort of predictions out there a bit more outlandish you want to share for 2014 before we wrap this up well i just i i guess i should mention that there will at some point be an update to the 1020 now i don't think it'll be announced at mwc but i suspect sometime over the summer they'll announce it and will come out in the autumn uh with uh, two or three times the processor speed and and shot to shot times in the order of a, what, a second rather than the current three and a half seconds um, and with faster everything and probably with more RAM as well and a larger screen. So bigger and better. The 1020 is fabulous hardware, really, as long as you're not in a real, real hurry to take photographs, and it'll do me just fine until, until whenever it gets announced. But I think there will be a successor, and I, I have no idea what the numbering scheme will be. I have no idea on the specs, but it will happen at some point. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. The 1030 or whatever it's going to be called will come along sooner rather than later because... Um, Nokia have changed their attitude a bit to some of these devices. It always used to be that you could expect a new imaging flagship to be released every two or three years. But I think particularly in the case of the 1020, it's a very obvious upgrade to put it onto kind of the new hardware family as we first seen in the 1520. And I should say that all of the devices we're talking about will be running on this new hardware family. The first examples of that are the 1520 and the 1320, but they're going to be repeated throughout 2014. And that provides a very solid base for Windows Phone to build off because, as I mentioned earlier, it's got a specification that kind of matches everything else on the market. And well, while I would continue to expect Android and, to a certain extent, iPhone to sort of sit on that cutting edge in terms of being the first devices when a certain process run out, I think uh, both Microsoft and its hardware partners are going to be following a little bit more closely behind than they have in the past. And certainly the Snapdragon 800 is going to be the standard high-end processor, at least for the first half of this year, and most probably for most of the second half of the year as well. And uh, Windows Phone is going to be well positioned to, to use that. Will we see some other silicon providers come in? That's uh, always a possibility. I think it's unlikely initially, I think, the size of the Windows Phone ecosystem needs to, to grow a little bit more. If I'm you know, trying to think of outlandish predictions, well, I do wonder whether Microsoft uh, might end up making a bid for bits of BlackBerry, some of the service components, in order to kind of bolster its strength in the enterprise space. I think it's a little unlikely at this stage, but you never know. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see a few more acquisitions happening that change the Windows Phone space. And we've already mentioned HTC, uh, but there'll be some maybe consolidation in some of the Chinese OEMs. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of impact that has. But uh, in terms of the kind of big picture, I don't think we'll get anything quite as dramatic as Microsoft buying Nokia in 2014. But uh, certainly towards the second half of the year, that uh, story that purchased by Microsoft of Nokia will, I think, start to come into play. And as we move into 2015, we'll see whether that gamble has uh, played out. 
Yeah, breaking news, Ray. The, uh, the, 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 new, the name for the replacement of the 1020 has leaked. It's the Microsoft Surface Pro RT Pro 1030. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we'll have to wait and see on all of that. There are, I think, a few people worrying about just what uh, Microsoft's marketing and commerce department is going to do to Nokia, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. I think that's a, a good place to leave off the podcast. We haven't quite got through all our topics, Steve, but... Uh, We'll leave some room for the, the next episode, which we should be recording in about a week's time. We'll return to our regular schedule now that the kind of seasonal break is over. But as it is the first podcast of the year, I think we should be wishing all our listeners a very happy new year. And please do get in touch with all your comments and questions. Yeah, and a goodbye from me. And just a tease that there's a third reason why I'm very happy, Bunny, with Windows Phone. But I shall leave that for the next podcast as well. And I'll give you a clue. It starts with the letter CC. Bye for now. <laughs>